On today's Murder, She Wrote podcast, it's a who's who of 80s guest stars. And Victoria and Howard are back. And Jessica has to solve the murder when she's accused of murdering her boss. Hello and welcome to the Murder, She Wrote podcast, where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder, She Wrote, starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner and Golden Globe winner, Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 5, Corn, Beef, and Cabbage. Air date. November 2nd, 1986, with a who's who of 80s television, we have Susan Anton, who was mentioned a lot as jokes, I don't know why. We have Jeff Conway is back as Howard. And Jeannie Francis, who played the role of Laura on General Hospital, still playing the role of Laura on General Hospital to this day, is back to reprise her role of Victoria. We have Richard Klein playing Larry Kincaid, who played the role of Larry on Three's Company. He is playing a character named Larry in this episode. We have a Golden Girls connection. Bill Macy guest stars as Larry Kincaid's brother, and he played the role of Bea Arthur's husband on Maud. And it's a Golden Girls connection because, you know, Bea Arthur was on the Golden Girls as Dorothy. We also have David or- Origin Steers, who plays Mr. Thornton, who is a future star with Angela Lansbury in Disney's Beauty and the Beast that was released in 1991, and he voiced the character of Clocksworth alongside Jerry Orsbach, who voiced the candlestick LeMayer. So we have some really awesome guest stars. We also have Marsha Wallace, who played Bob Newhart's secretary on the Bob Newhart show. I watched a lot of reruns as a kid, believe me. And uh, she also did extensive voice work on The Simpsons. So we have a lot of awesome guest stars. And this is a vast improvement episode over the last two that I covered in the last episode of the podcast. Because those episodes were absolutely terrible, and I apologize, you know, I just could not understand them. You know, there was a lot to go over and to understand, and I still don't understand One White Rose for Death or Unfinished Business because, you know, Why would he say he was going to solve the crime if he's the one that killed the dude? I don't know. But because I was so focused on trying to explain it and analyze it to you, I forgot to mention a couple of things. I want to talk about the passing of Olivia Newton-John, who passed away um, from breast cancer. Um, I grew up with the movie Grace. And that's how I was introduced to her. And then I found out later that she was a professional singer before she got the role of Sandy on Grease. And and this is not a pun. I honestly did love her, her music and her performance on Grease. And I hope that she's at peace now. Another thing that I want to mention is the passing in a tragic, sad death of Anne Heche who played the role of Victoria and Marley on Another World. I didn't exactly get to see Another World in those days because I was too little to remember her being on the show. 
but it wasn't until the early 2000s that they started rerunning episodes on SoapNet that I, I got to see those episodes with my grandma. And I always found her to be very, very amazing in that show as those two characters. And doing a really good job of separating those two characters from each other was incredible to me. And one of my all-time favorite films that she was in was Volcano. I love that film. I feel like she carried that film. And Tommy Lee Jones' character needed children's services to be called on him for leaving his daughter in a car while there was apparently some disaster going on, you know? But I hope that Anne Heche is at peace now, and I think that she was a phenomenal actress taking from us too soon, both of them. All right, so spoilers throughout this episode. As always, I spoil everything there is to spoil about the murderer, the, the suspect, everything in between. You cannot do a Murder, She Wrote podcast without doing that. So if you've not recently seen this episode on Hallmark Channel, because they're again almost to the end again of the show, and I'm only on season three. <laughs> um, get out your season three disc set. Insert the second disc into your DVD player. This is the first episode on that disc. If you do not own the DVDs like I do, you can watch the episode for free. All 12 seasons are currently streaming on NBC's Peacock app, as well as on the Roku channel. Also on the Ro Ro Roku channel, sorry. The four TV movies that preceded Murder, She Wrote when it ended in 1996 are also available to stream. Seasons 1 through 5 are available to watch on Freebie, formerly IMDb TV app. All right. Like I said, this episode was a vast improvement over the last two, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. To, to refresh your memory in case you forgot, the characters of Howard and Victoria were introduced in Season 1 in Episode 2, Birds of a Feather. In that episode, Victoria is introduced as Jessica's niece, I don't know on which side, either her, either Frank's side or her side. It's never established. Um, but she's also getting, getting married to Howard, played by Jeff Conway. She at first thinks that Howard is having an affair, but it turns out that Howard is working at a club in, in San Francisco as a female impersonator. But this doesn't seem to phase Victoria at all because... <laughs> she... Makes out with him even though he's wearing a dress. He gets accused of murdering his boss in that episode. So this is almost like a remake. Only now Victoria is being accused of killing her boss. I cover that episode here on the podcast. So if you'd like to take a listen to it. It's there available for you to listen to. It is quite a good episode. and One of my favorites of season one. So this is this episode is kind of like a rehash of that one, only done a little bit better because the killer's motivation makes far more sense than the killer's motivation in Birds of a Feather. And to refresh your memory, the killer turns out to be the teacher from Welcome Back, Cotter. And the reason why he kills the boss is because he wants to go off and... He had a contract with him or something, and he wants him to go, wants to go off and do his comedy, but the boss won't let him go. And so instead of just leaving or getting a lawyer involved and basically breaking the contract, he kills him. Yeah, I didn't understand that. And he thought he was going to get away with it. Not with Jessica there. It was a really good episode, and it's nice to see Jeff Conway back on the show, and he makes two other guest appearances. I looked ahead, and Jeannie Francis is back to reprise her role, Victoria, which she will do in two other episodes aside from this one, I think. I'll double check just for you all um, at the end like we do. And, of course, 
this was a big year for Jeannie Francis. At this time, she uh, was doing the miniseries North and South, which had just been released the previous year. And the other part of it was coming out in this year. Um, and she also did the big, huge wedding of Luke and Laura on General Hospital with the one and only Elizabeth Taylor. So she was very busy. Um, and although most people know her as Laura on General Hospital, I will always have a special place in my heart seeing her as Siri on All My Children. I thought that she did a fantastic job on that show and deserved an Emmy, but I don't think she got one. I think she did get an Emmy for, for General Hospital, but not All My Children. All right, so... I learned some cool little facts watching some interesting videos on YouTube. Somebody put like a fact video of, of Murder, She Wrote. And I knew most of them, but there was one I didn't know. The JB in JB Fletcher stands for Beatrice, which is a tribute to Bernice Arthur, a.k.a. B. Arthur, who played the role of Dorothy Zabornak on The Golden Girls and Maude Finley on Maude. And also, of course, played opposite Angela Lansbury on Broadway in Maine. We'll always be bosom buddies, friends, sisters, and pals. Yep, that was them. And apparently that song was true to life because they were the best bosom buddies. And as a tribute to her best friend, the writers put her name as Jessica's middle name. Isn't that incredible? Then I've been watching old uh, videos of the Universal Backlot Tour because I don't think I'll ever have enough money to ever go on one myself. Um, and it turns out, have, have, you, have you guys ever seen the, the movie The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas with Dolly Parton and Burt Reynolds? Well, they have the chicken ranch on the back lot. Well, for the entirety of, of Murder, She Wrote's run, the back side of the chicken ranch was used as Jessica's house. They recreated it after finding it on location in a town in Maine for the for the pilot movie. But when they realized that Angela Lansbury could not travel from one location to the next, they decided to just have her report to work on the Universal Backlot, and they recreated Jessica's house on the backside of the chicken ranch. And even in one video... They're actually filming an episode of Murder, She Wrote. At least in the 1989 one I saw, which I'm going to finish because I didn't finish that one. But I just find that fascinating. And they say in all the videos, we try to redress everything so you won't find it or you won't recognize the, video, the buildings or whatever. So I think it's like funny like a scavenger hunt when you recognize the, the, you know, the same sets or whatever. It's like a Where's Waldo thing, and then I could point it out to you guys, and you could be like, oh, wow, I didn't notice it before. So I like that. I really do. I think it's so much fun. All right, so I'm going to get into the episode now. I just wanted to drop those cool little trivia facts and, and you know, praise the lovely Jeannie Francis, because I just can't get enough. And I love Jeff Conway, too. And it's great to see them back together in this episode. So, this episode is set in New York, but as always, we're on the Universal Backlot in different locations to make us not think we're on the Universal Backlot, but yeah, we're on the Universal Backlot. Okay, so, as this episode starts, we get stock footage of New York, and we get introduced to Larry Kincaid, played by Richard Crime. Victoria is there, played by Jeannie Francis, and Mr... Grover Bry, who owns a corned beef company. I don't know if it's a restaurant. Hence the name Corned Beef and Cabbage. Although cabbage is not mentioned in the episode at all. And I'm not a fan of cabbage. Never have been. Never will be. Never liked it. Um, they, they are, Victoria is in advertising. And they are trying to pitch a campaign to the to Gr Mr. Bra Grover, who is openly he's openly flirting with Victoria during the whole entire meeting. 
Um, Larry points out that he didn't sign for the new uh, campaign. And he says, well, he wants to run it by his wife, Polly, played by Marsha Wallace. And he suggests they all go to lunch together. Well, before he... Before he leaves the room, he grabs... He takes his finger and put rubs his hand down Victoria's shoulder and says, You know, Victoria, this blouse really accentuates your body and that peaches and cream complexion you have. Ooh, it's so cringeworthy. You know, it's just so cringeworthy. It's not aged well. And that's one problem I have with this episode. And I have another problem, but we'll get to it. But believe me, these problems are not as bad as the problems in the last episode, last two episodes I covered. So Larry's like, he didn't like the new campaign. I don't know what to do. He said, but you're going to lunch with me. And she goes, uh, no, Mr. Kincaid, my aunt is coming in and I'm having lunch with my husband and, and my aunt who came in from Maine to visit us. And he says, no, Victoria, get with the program. We don't, we cannot afford to lose this cl client. So you're coming to lunch. Meanwhile, Jessica arrives and notices that there's a French restaurant on the ground floor. And it's implied that I guess they live in the same building in the penthouse suite upstairs. I'm not sure if it's a separate building. But considering we only see an exterior shot for one building during the entire episode, I'm, I'm concluding that everything is pretty much in that one building. Which is not unusual for New York. Anyway... Howard arrives with Jessica and she's very excited that Victoria's in the field of advertising and Howard talks about living in the penthouse suite and they go up and they run into Mr. Thornton who is an employee there. Howard introduces them and of course he's played by the future Clocksworth, the guy who plays Clocksworth. And he pretty much like starts praising Victoria and he's like, she's so awesome. And, you know, she's learning her ruthlessness from Larry and she's quite the employee. He ends up leaving early and going downstairs to the restaurant downstairs. Victoria comes and she explains that she has to go for lunch, Jessica says. And Howard says, oh, well, you can't even... Jessica, Aunt Jessica comes all the way down from Maine. You can't even fit her in your busy schedule. And Jessica says, oh, nonsense. Business comes first. We'll just have dinner later. And Victoria says, you'll stay with us. No use for you going to a hotel. So everything's fine, and they agree to part ways. So we cut to the to the lunch with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Brain. Uh, no, Bra, Polly, and Grover. Grover. I mean, that reminds me of Red Rover. Red Rover. Why can't let Grover come over? I mean, <laughs> so funny. Sorry, ADHD. Squirrel, you know, you never know what I'm going to say. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, they're sitting at the table and Polly's like, my husband did not like the campaign that you came up with this morning, Larry. And we're not sure if we want to continue with you because it's the old tired campaign with just more money. And Larry says, you know what? That's okay. I'll come up with a completely new campaign that will Knock your socks off and it's okay. We'll figure it out. And Polly says, my oh my, does talking business make my nose shiny? I'm going to go to the powder room and freshen up. Victoria goes with her. 
It's then that Grover basically says to Larry that his wife is going out of town to visit her sister in Queens. A horrible woman. He can't stand her. And then he says, I might want to have dinner. And Larry says, well, you can have dinner with me. And he says, no, Larry. I would rather have dinner with Victoria. There's something about that little filly that makes the stallion in this old horse rise. Ooh, So gross. And that is the way he says it. I'm not paraphrasing or anything. You know, that's how he says it. And it's so gross. And it has not aged well. And it's just so terrible. That I literally was like, did he really just say that? And I had to like rewind it, rewatch it again. And I watched the episode twice to get everybody straight. You know, like get all the characters. Because we then um, cut over to a table with Christine Crawford. Uh, or Clifford, played by Susan Anton, having lunch with her boss, Mr. Braille. Mr. Leafland Braille, who owns Braille Advertising. He wants her to get the corned beef Newcastle account from the Kincaid Advertising Agency. She tells him to consider it done. So, meanwhile, we cut back to the Kincaid Advertising Agency, and Larry tells Grover that he will arrange for Victoria to go and have dinner with him. Well, back at the advertising agency, we get introduced to Marvin. I think his name is Marvin. Myron, sorry, who is Larry's brother and comes in saying that he doesn't understand why Larry's focusing on the Newcastle corned beef account when they apparently have racked up a lot of media bills at the Kincaid Advertising Agency and have not paid on their previous debts. Larry says that he doesn't care. This account will land them on the map and he's doing it. Suddenly, Mr. Thornton comes in and he wants to know why he wasn't at the meeting for Newcastle Corn Beef. Larry tells him he was taken off the account and that he's only on the payroll as a favor, that he doesn't really work, and he doesn't have anything to do. I don't know if they're allowed to do that in advertising. I don't know. This reminds me of all the drama that was, that was always presented on Melrose Place surrounding D&D &D advertising. I wonder if advertising is really like that. I don't know. I'm really confused about that. But I wonder if Darren Starr got his idea for Allison's job from this episode. Probably not, but it's a nice thought. Anyway, Victoria comes in to give Larry um, some ideas for the corned beef account. And Larry says that he's sticking with this campaign and that, and when he tells Thornton that Thornton is dried up and he doesn't need him anymore, Victoria basically defends him and says, I think he has some good ideas. You know, why are you being so mean to him? And he says, you're not an advertising executive. And the only reason that you're on this account, Victoria, is because uh, Grover has the hots for you and you will be going to dinner with him at his house and he better come back into this office with a smile on his face because he's satisfied with you which is ew, so gross so cringe and she says Mr. Kincaid I and she picks up his award I might not have the prestige and be the highest advertising executives you are but I am not under any circumstances, going to compromise my principles. I am married, and I will not be going and having a private dinner with, with Grover Bain. So, I quit. And he and then Larry says, I don't need you, or you, Mr. Thornton, or you, Myron. I can do it all on my own. I'm going to work late tonight. Even if I have to stay up all night long, I'm going to come up with a 
campaign that'll knock the their socks off. And that's that. Victoria goes to go in the elevator to go, I guess, to her apartment. And Thornton stops her and says he commended her for standing up to Larry, but she shouldn't quit until she has something else lined up. She tells him not to worry and that'll be fine. She goes up to the apartment and finds that Jessica and Howard are not there. Meanwhile, Howard and Jessica are out in the park eating hot dogs. Howard basically talks about how his acting career is struggling. He has not really found anything. But at the end of Birds of a Feather, he was going to be on a soap opera. So I guess that fell through. But anyway. Um, and they live in New York now versus they were in San Francisco before. But uh, he tells Jessica that he hates that Victoria's, you know, having to work so hard for him and support him. Because he doesn't have a job and he loves her and he doesn't get to see her as much. And she says, well, maybe you should tell her that. And he says no. So meanwhile, Victoria sees on the answering machine that Howard has gone out earlier in the day to go for an audition for a doorman. And Jessica even calls and says she has to go see her publisher and that she will see her around nine something. And then, um, then there's another... A message on the answering machine that says that they decided to go with someone else. That Howard wasn't worldly enough to be a doorman. Yeah, is that a thing? I don't know. So Victoria decides, okay, obviously I gotta put on my big girl pants and go back up there and basically tell Mr. Kincaid that I'm gonna work for him after all. Because Larry didn't get, I mean, because Howard didn't get the acting job he was hoping for. She runs into the security guard and she signs in and she says she has to settle something with Mr. Kincaid. When she goes in there, it's not that long before there's a scream. Larry has been killed with the very advertising award that Victoria had been holding earlier. The security guard asks what happened. So we get introduced to this episode's Lieutenant Detective. Lieutenant Detective. Debis Spinelli. Spinelli. Lieutenant Spinelli. And yes, that is his name, and I am not exaggerating, okay? So. They pick up the murder weapon and he says, well, as they say, had his name on it, bag it. They do and then they just sit it on the desk. The detective asks her what happened and why she screamed. What did he do to her? And she says, I couldn't believe he was dead. I was terrified. So I screamed. Howard comes and at first they won't let him through and he's like, she's my wife. Then Jessica comes through and immediately goes behind the desk and is looking around. When the detective sees her behind there, he says, who are you? And Victoria says, she's Jessica Fletcher, my aunt, J.B. Fletcher, the famous mystery writer. And he says, yeah, that's just exactly what I need. <laughs> and uh, she says, Lieutenant, what about the sandwich? And he says, he wasn't poisoned, Mrs. Fletcher. And she says, no, I wasn't suggesting that. I was suggesting that maybe the sandwich was delivered. We might be able to figure out the time of death. And he said he was still warm when we found the body. She said, yes, perhaps the sandwich will tell the time of death. So, it's the next day, and Victoria is packing up her office and is about to leave. It's not clear how long Victoria has been working there, but it, apparently it's been a while. Um, Myron and Mr. Thornton comes in, 
and they don't want her to quit. They've come up, they've seen, um, oh yeah, and I forgot, I'm sorry. Uh, Miss Clifford, before Larry gets killed, um, goes to see him to sort of get the lowdown on his advertising firm and to see anything that she can find on the corned beef Newcastle account. And she ends up taking Victoria's ideas for that campaign with her when she leaves. The security guard says that a bunch of people signed out, but there was an interior decorator that came in um, to measure the drapes named Alice Jones. And then, of course, the delivery man, but he didn't sign in, as well as Victoria. All arrows point to Victoria. But anyway, they tell Victoria that they want her to stay on, that they have good ideas for the Newcastle account to save it, which will save the firm, even though the other Mr. Kincaid basically said to Larry that all their media bills was wrecked up and they hadn't paid them, so I'm kind of confused, but whatever. Um, so, Victoria gets a raise, and her and Jessica are out to eat at the, I guess, the same restaurant from before. And Miss Clifford sits down and offers her a job at Braille Advertising, saying that she'll double her salary. And Jessica says, my goodness, the advertising world is very intriguing. And she goes, Victoria, you're in high demand. Victoria then talks to Jessica, saying that she's only being an, an advertising exec to help Howard so that he can have his dream of being an actor and that they don't get to spend a lot of time together and she misses him. Jessica just says, you should tell him that, which is pretty much the same thing that Howard told Jessica. The detective shows up and arrests Victoria because all arrows point to her. She picked up only her and Larry's fingerprints are on the on the award that killed him. And all arrows point to her. But Jessica pretty much says that it doesn't add up and that the sandwich is the key. Because if the sandwich was delivered at eight o'clock and the body was discovered by nine fifteen, the sandwich wasn't eaten. And she wants to know why. And then the lieutenant starts to wonder if Jessica may be right. Jessica then goes to go see the other Mr. Kincaid and Mr. Thornton, who are coming up with ideas for the Newcastle corned beef um, campaign. Jessica expresses her condolences, and Mr. Kincaid does not seem to be all that upset that his brother has died he says he was a terrific guy we loved him but we're going to to pick up his flag and keep marching on <laughs> i just find that line to be funny and she says well this is just a wonderful office it's so sad that you were deciding to redecorate it and he goes we don't throw money around we weren't going to decorate it larry had it redone a couple months ago and she said but a, a, a decorator came to measure the drapes. And Mr. Kincaid basically says, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she says, well, you must have been the one that fired the security guard. And Mr. Thornton says that he's the one who fired the security guard. If you let the boss die, well, pretty much you shouldn't work here. So, again... Jessica goes to see the security guard, who I think did voiceover in cartoons, because he has the voice, basically tells Jessica that he never really met Mr. Kincaid, but he always knew he was going to be late because he would order a sandwich to eat in his office. And 
Jessica puts two and two together and figures out that the interior designer is actually Christine Clifford. He shows the security guard. She shows the security guard a picture and he says, yep, that's her. So, coincidences of coincidences, Howard gets a commercial with the Braille advertising company and has to meet with a Christine Clifford. I mean, really coincidences. And he films a commercial, uh, I think it's like for a funeral home, and he's called Mr. Slumberland. When your loved ones recluse, I guess that's a fancy word for die, um, call Mr. Slumberland. Mr. Slumberland is standing by. It's really creepy. Um, and they want him to work for them and be Mr. Slumberland, but they're pretty much blackmailing him in a way by saying, oh, well, the only way you can be this Mr. Slumberland is if Victoria is your account executive and they're after the corned beef, corn beef Newcastle account. Basically, when Mr. Braille goes to take another phone call, Jessica pounces on Miss Clifford and says that the guard recognized her as the interior designer. She then explains that she had taken Victoria's ideas for the corned beef account and was returning it and discovered Mr. Kincaid's body. Jessica suggests that they go to the police station and tell Lieutenant Spinelli. She does and now they got the time of death wrong and Mr. Braille comes in and is not even going to bail Miss Crawford out of jail. He says that she took the documents without his knowledge and he had no knowledge whatsoever that she had taken them, which was kind of confusing to me because I wasn't sure if he told her to do that or if she did it of her own accord. I'm not, a, I'm not sure, but he's like, I'm not going to help her. She's just going to be fired. And then she mentions that Thornton was having dinner with him in the restaurant on the ground floor, the French restaurant. And he says he'd only been in the dining room to about nine when the police arrived. And he'd only left at least once to make a phone call. And that was that Thornton will vouch for him. He then decides to say no more and leaves. To go to the other delis around town to find out exactly where the sandwich was delivered from and what time it was delivered. After going to about seven delis, she finally finds the right one. And the guy behind the deli counter finds the, the slip and basically tells her that somebody called and canceled it. So they then get the security guard back into the police station. And for some reason, the lieutenant, who was reluctant to have Jessica, you know, help him with this one, is now letting her question the security guard. And he says he was wearing dark glasses and like a, like a cap and a black cap and he couldn't really see him. And the detective is like, are you trying to say that the delivery man is the one who killed him? And she said, no, someone dressed up like a delivery man, because why would a delivery man wear dark glasses at night? So Jessica has an idea. She puts the security guard and Mr. Thornton in a room together and then comes up with her theory. Mr. Thornton wasn't getting paid. He was constantly being bullied and criticized by Mr. Kincaid. So he found a golden opportunity to kill him. He knew Larry's every move. He knew Larry would, would order a sandwich from the local deli. So he called and canceled the order and, and decided to disguise himself as a delivery man. 
The guard had never seen him before, so he wouldn't be able to recognize him. Well, it seems that everything's all wrapped up. And he keeps denying it, and then he says, Oh, I get your game. You put me in that room hoping that security guard would recognize me. Well, he hasn't seen me before in his life, and Jessica says, Well, how did you know he was a security guard? He's out of uniform. And then, and then Mr. Thornton basically says everything that I think a murderer would say. You think you have it all planned, and then you fall for one stupid little mistake. He humiliated me, he cheated me, he bullied me, and I decided to get even. And killing him with the, with the reward with his name on it, it was always part of the plan. Nice touch, wasn't it? I did good, except for the security guard slip-up. And that's where the episode ends. Oh yeah, and Howard and Victoria decide to practically almost make love in, in front of Jessica when they finally decide to talk to each other. So, that's that. <laughs> really good episode. Oh, also, the corn... Uh, Jessica goes to an opening of a new corned beef castle and talks to Grover and his wife Polly because Grover was there because he thought he thought he'd left his glasses but he found him in, in another suit he was wearing and for some reason and I didn't understand this they end up filing for bankruptcy even though they got a check for opening that new corned beef castle so that didn't make any sense to me but overall, I love this episode. I love the actor that played Mr. Thornton. I know he was on MASH. He replaced Frank um, and was a very annoying character. And it was interesting to know that in this episode, he did not have a British accent. Interesting. Because apparently he's really good at doing all kinds of voices. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he did a lot of cartoon voices. Him and the security guard. But the dialogue with Grover was cringeworthy. And I didn't like it. It didn't age well. But let's go over the the guest stars. We had Susan Anton. She's still with us. She is known for Cannibal Run 2, 1984. Golden Girl, 1979. Stop Susan Williams, 1979. And Baywatch. 1992 to 96. Her last known credit is a TV movie called Family Friends. She was in Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens, Slaughter's Special Victims Unit, as I said, Baywatch, The Larry Sanders Show, The Ben Stiller Show, Blossom, Quantum Leap. Night Court, and she will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote, in 1989. So we'll go over more of her guest starring roles then. I just have to remember. Um, William Berlinger played the role of security guard Jim. He died in 2020 at the age of 83. May he rest in peace. He's known for The Cannibal Run, 1981, The Long Goodbye, 1973, The World According to Gip, 1992, and That Thing You Do, 1996. Last known credit, Grace and Frankie in 2016. Awesome. Picket Fences, Columbo. Shades of L.A. Oh! Well, talk about a character actor. He was in sudden death as the coach. I forgot. And he will also appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote, the same one that Susan Anton will appear in. Wow. Interesting. I did not know. All right, let's see 
double check Jeff Conway if he appears in another episode as Howard. Hopefully he welcomed uh, Olivia and John into heaven because he died in 2011 at the age of 60. He's of course known for Greece, 1978, Taxi, Babylon 5, and Jawbreaker, 1999. Let's see. He will appear in two other episodes of Murder, She Wrote. One in 1993 and one in 1994, but not as Howard. Aw, what happens to Howard? I guess we'll have to find out in her next episode. Which I don't know when that is. Let's double check on Jeannie Francis here. Alright, she's known for General Hospital, Young and the Restless, Slow and Clark, New Adventures of Superman, and North and South miniseries. She's still playing Laura right now. Uh, let me see here. Okay, she will play Victoria again in an episode in 1990 um, as Victoria Griffin. So why doesn't Jeff Conway play Howard again? Huh, so weird. I guess we'll figure it out when we get to that episode, which who knows. Uh, Mr. Braille was played by, played by Peter Haskell. He died in 2010 at the age of 75. He's known for Child's Play 3, 1991, and Child's Play 2, 1990. Bregan's World and Search for Tomorrow, which I think was a soap opera. His last known credit is ER in 2009. He guest starred on JAG, Frasier, Diagnosis Murder, Danger Theater, Madlock, Columbo, and he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1989. So we'll go over there. Oh! He was also in the spinoff, The Law and Harry McGraw, which I'm, I know that that's on YouTube and when it tells me, I'm going to watch it and do a bonus episode. Richard Klein played the role of Larry Kincaid, our murder victim. He of course played the role of Larry on Three's Company and he was involved in a lot of things that did not age well. He's still alive. Um, he is known for Three's Company, Jack and Jill, Beverly Hills Ninja, Jack and Jill 2011, Beverly Hills Ninja 1997, and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry 2007. He's in pre-production for something called 180 Days and The Mick and the Trick. Uh, latest credit, Blue Bloods as a judge. He was in The Resident. A TV movie called Broadcasting Christmas, The Americans, ER in 2004, NYPD Blue, Gilmore Girls, Judging Amy, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, That 70s Show, Bold and the Beautiful in 1996, Married with Children, Step by Step, Family Matters, Columbo, Harry and the Hendersons TV show, the new WKRP in Cincinnati, Loving, which was a soap opera. Uh, Jeannie Francis was also on that soap opera. His and Hers, I don't know, Problem Child, It's a Living, Punky Brewster, Side by Side, Madlock, The Law and Harry McGraw, Boys Will Be Boys, St. Elsewhere, Hill Street Blues, Silver Spoons. This is only episode I'm not sure. Oh, how sad. Hotel ER, a uh, sitcom, 
Three's a Crowd, Love Boat, Three's Company, of course, Fantasy Island, One Day at a Time, Chips, Maud. Oh, he was on Maud? Cool. Eight is Enough, Mary Tyler Moore, Show, Executive Suite, and something called Scorpio in 1976 was his first role. Good for him. He should have been in more episodes of Murder, she wrote. Like I said, Bill Maisie played the other Mr. Kincaid. He died in 2019 at the age of 97. He is known for The Jerk, 1979, Maud, Analyze This, 1999, and The Holiday, 2006. Last known credit is in 2010, Hawthorne TV show. I don't know, True Jackson VP. My name is Oral. How I Met Your Mother, ER, My Wife and Kids, Touched by an Angel, Providence, Jack and Jill TV show, Norm T Norman TV show, Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place, Viper, I have no idea, Promised Land, I think that was a spinoff of Touched by an Angel, The Home Court, Ned and Stacy, Seinfeld, Chicago Hope, can't Hurry Love, TV show, NYPD Blue, Diagnosis Murder, Columbo, Me, Myself, and I, Father Downey Mysteries, and he will appear in another episode of Murder, She Wrote in 1989. Yay! Oh, he will also appear in the TV series The Law and Harry McGraw. Gee, I might, I wonder if they have all those episodes on YouTube because it would be so nice to see them. I might do bonus episodes for those. Um, Lieutenant Spinelli was played by James Salone. He was funny. I liked him. He is still alive. He is known for The Sting, 1973, Star Trek The Next Generation. Continental 1978 in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. He's in post-production for something called Ed. Uh, and then his last known credit is The Car in the Road. Um, and then he was on The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, Party of Five. Uh, Diagnosis Murder, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, NYPD Blue. Star Trek Voyager, The X-Files, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Baywatch, Beverly Hills 90210, Quantum Leap, and Wow. Um, this is his first of six guest appearances on Murder She Wrote. So I gotta remember, I gotta remember his his name because he makes guest appearances. All the way to 1991. His next one is in 1998. Okay. I gotta remember that. Okay, David Orden Spears played our murderer. He died all in 2018 at the age of 75. Sad. He is known for MASH as Charles Winchester. Beauty and the Beast, 1991, as Clocksworth and the narrator. Pocahontas, 1995, and Lilo and Stitch's Jumbo. Oh my god, I had no idea. See, the man of many voices. His last known credit is voicing Clocksworth for one final time in Disney Comics in Motion. Aww. He, he did some voiceover works for a regular show. He was on Rosario and Isles. Um, Hoodwink 2. He did Kingdom Hearts, Birth by Sleep, as Dr. Jumba. Stargate Atlantis, The Dead Zone. He was Clocksworth in Kingdom Hearts 2. Winnie the Pooh. He was the narrator. Lilo and Stitch the series as Jumba. Lenny and Stitch, Justice League Unlimited, Kingdom Hearts 2. 
Um, Lilo and Stitch 2, Winnie the Poohs, Video Game as the Narrator, Touched by an Angel, The Dead Zone, House of Mouse, as Clocksworth again, Teacher's Pet, the cartoon series, Justice League, Mickey's Magical Christmas Snowed into the House of Mouse. I love that. Wish I could find that on DVD. Atlantis Lost Empire. Love that too. Oh, he. Oh my goodness, did he reprise his role of Stanford Thornton in the in a TV movie, The Last Free Man? Hold on, I'm trying to find uh, the Outer Limits. Two Guys and a Girl in a Pizza Place, 101 Dalmatians, the series. No, it just happens to be somebody with the same last name as Thornton. But he will appear in two other episodes of Murder, she wrote. But yes, the guy of many voices. I love him. I, He's part of my childhood. I mean, you, you can't convince me otherwise. And I hated that they remade Beauty and the Beast. I just hated it. Um, Ken Soford, S-W-O-F-F-O-R-D, played Grover in cringeworthy dialogue, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was a cartoon voice artist. He died in 2018 at the age 85. He's known for Annie 1992, The Imbottable Stay 1971, Black Roses, 1988, and Thelma and Louise, 1991. I don't remember him being in Thelma and Louise. Last known credit, Happy the Angry Polar Bear. Voice, Teacher's Pet Movie, Recess School's Out Movie. Yes, I was right. Diagnosis Murder. Um, wow. He's appeared in 11 episodes of Murder, She Wrote. His first being Joshua Peabody died here, possibly. Leo. Oh, he was the murder victim and Joshua Peabody died here, possibly. I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. But this is his second episode of Murder, She Wrote, and he will appear in... Nine... More episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Oh my goodness. I'm not going to remember this. So when I come across him in the other episodes, I'll skip him. I wonder if Marsha Wallace is going to appear in any other episodes. She played, of course, his wife. Aww. She died in 2013 at the age of 70. I didn't know that. She's known for The Simpsons. 1990 to 2021, Bob Newhart Show, Big Stan, 2007, and Teen Witch, 1989. Last known credit, 2017, Muffin Top, A Love Story. But yes, she basically played Bart's um, teacher in the series and has appeared in over 172 episodes of the simpsons and when i say i grew up with the simpsons i'm as old as the simpsons yeah they were they premiered as a series two weeks before i was born in 1989. she was on the young and the restless she did voiceover work for the simpsons movie but her scenes were deleted um, she did the voiceover video game. She was in the Rugrats. Love the Rugrats. Seventh Heaven. That's My Bush. TV show, don't know. Cow and Chicken. Murphy Brown. Um, Teen Angel. Full House. Aladdin TV show. Captain Planet of the Planeteers. The Addams Family cartoon series, Batman the Animated Series, A Different World, Darkwing Duck, The Monsters Today, um, oh, this is her only episode of Murder, She Wrote, 
She was also on Give Me a Break, Taxi, Magnum P.I., Chips, Fantasy Island, The Castaways on Gilligan's Island, Flying High, The Love Boat, Insight, The Bob Newhart Show, Columbo, The Brady Bunch, Bewitched, and The Invaders was her first role in 1967. Well, that's sad. I wanted her to be in more episodes. Alright, that's it. That's all. Our guest stars. Like I said, I loved this episode. It was so fun um, and so cool. Um, better, better than the last two I covered in the last episode. And I can't believe I'm already on disc two of season three of Murder, She Wrote. I can't believe it. And I have a confession to make. I have never seen the episode, the crossover between Jessica, uh, I mean, the crossover episode between Murder, She Wrote and Magna P.I. And it's on this disc that I'm on. So I'm excited. So can't wait to cover that one. Not yet, but soon. Anyway, I will see you all in the next one. Have a good day, night, depending on when you listen to this. I still continue to pray for peace for the world when my head hits the pillow. Thank you so much for listening. Happy crime solving, and I'll see you in the next one.